The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. When they had heard these words, some of the people said, This really is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the Scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. Let's pray. Lord, I'm just so grateful for this space. I thank you for every person here this morning. I pray that their hearts would be open to hearing your word and receiving the truth that you have for them today. God, I also pray over Randall as he gives the message this morning that every word that he speaks would be from your spirit and not from himself. And any word that he speaks that is not from you, that we would not hold on to it, that we would not, that would just pass right over our heads, God. We want to hear from you this morning. We want to be touched by you. We want to understand how you are a gift to us, God. Would you fill us up this morning with your love and your peace? If any of us are not at peace this morning, God, I just pray that you would give them your peace. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Randall. Thanks, Stephen. All right, well, good morning. Uh, We're going to continue in our series called Simply Jesus. And just as Stephen read, we're in John chapter 7, verses 37 through 44. And this morning, the message is entitled, The Gift. In this passage that we see today, Jesus offers us a gift that you can't get anywhere else. And, uh, you know, thinking about our our generation and and just our, our life in general, what we would have to admit is this, that the way that life is right now is not as it should be. It's not as it should be. And so when we see Jesus shouting in this text, he looks at the people, he looks at the crowd, and he is acknowledging that life is not the way it should be. In November 2013, there was an article written in the New York Times called Millennial Searchers. Now, the millennial generation is the generation that they would say in this article, and it varies, but people say it's around uh, right after you've been born after 1980. So in 1980 and on are the millennial generation. And the, the article starts out by talking about a man named Viktor Frankl. Uh, Viktor Frankl was a man that was in a concentration camp. He, he later wrote a book uh, speaking on a man's search for meaning, and it was a best-selling book. Uh, but what he did was he, he was sitting uh, as a young man in class one day, a teenager. And his professor uh, said that life is nothing more than a combustion process, a process of oxidation. As Frankel was sitting there in his class as a young man, teenager, 
he stood up and said, then what is the meaning of life? Why are we here? Right? He had this angst that he had to say something because what his professor said did not make sense. Now that statement was made more than, uh, you know, 100 years ago. But today, uh, people are still struggling with this. And so in this article, as it opened up, it told about Viktor Frankl, but then it goes on and says, today's young adults born after 1980, known as Generation Y, or the millennial generation, are the most educated generation in American history, and like the baby boomers, one of the largest. Yet, since the Great Recession of 2008, they have been having a hard time. They're facing one of the worst job markets in decades. They are in debt. Many of them are unemployed. The income gap between old and young Americans is widening. And to give you a sense of their lot, when you search our millennials, uh, our millennials in Google, the search options that come up include our millennials selfish, our millennials lazy, and our millennials narcissistic. Left with that, it looks like we're a generation that's searching. A generation that's lost. A generation that needs something more. And just as Frankel stood in his class and, and, and screamed out, yelling out, saying, what's the meaning of life? We find Jesus in John chapter 7 yelling out to a crowd of people who are lost, who are thirsty. Jesus saying, what's the meaning of this? Why are you doing this? Well, you're going through the same religious ritual again. You're going through the motions. Why? Jesus offers something that want, that's going to last. And so in, in this text, um, we find that Jesus is seeing people who are searching, people who are empty, people running in a direction that will lead uh, to more dissatisfaction. As Frankel couldn't contain himself, Jesus couldn't either. See, what, difference, what differentiates Jesus from uh, Viktor Frankl is this, that Jesus didn't just ask a question, but he gave an answer. He gave the answer. He interrupts this big festival, this big feast, because he has an answer. He says he has something to offer. He's not just asking a question. He says, I have a gift for you, something that will satisfy the thirst that you've been longing for. What he offers is, he says, himself. Jesus offers himself. It's not an abstract idea about life, but he says, I offer me. Simply Jesus. A personal relationship. He says, come to me. Find the answer in me. You don't have to look any further. There's this uh, Wendy's commercial that came out in like 2007. I remember watching and it's these people that are running, right? Like all this mass group of people are running and they run into this big hole in the middle of the ground. It's the weirdest commercial. But they're running and they're running into this big hole and so this masses of people running, 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 running. Everybody's running into the hole. They're just going down in there, and there's this guy, uh, you know Wendy, with the hair that's coming out, and this, this guy is running, but he's got the Wendy's hair on, and he's thinking to himself, why are all these people running? 
are they running to? Hold on. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't go there. Maybe there's something more than that hole that everybody else is running into. And so he, see, he starts to stop. He, he sees and he looks around and he starts telling people, hold on, stop, 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 stop. Don't run into that hole. You see, very similarly, what Jesus is doing is he's saying, stop running into the hole of dissatisfaction. Stop running into the hole of thirst that will never be quenched. Stop running into that same place. It's a funny commercial, but it's true. It's true about life. And so today our text, John chapter 7, verses 37 through 44. Uh, just to give some background, uh, this text tells us this is the very last day of the feast. And so what we talked about last week is that this feast was the largest feast of the year. Biggest celebration. And on this feast, on the greatest feast, this is the greatest day, it says in, the, in today's text, verse 37. Um, now, many scholars... I'm always loud, so I'm supposed to hold it down here, right? Like, <laughs> Billy's told me, he's like, don't put it right next to your face. That's what I do. So, so what's happening here is, um, just to go over that, many scholars believe that Jesus interrupted the feast at the most pivotal moment of this feast. And this is when they were processing this uh, flagon of water around. And so they would walk it around and they would recess with this water. And basically what they were saying is that at some point, God was going to give us the water that would never be quenched, right? It would, it would never end. It would always be flowing. God was going to bring that at some point into our lives. And so they would sing praise to God from Psalm 118 and they would give thanks. And, and the next morning they would offer this water along with wine over to God. And so it was, the, the feast would end, and, and the feast was related to the Jewish thought that as the Lord provided water in the desert, he would pour out his spirit in the last days. He'd pour out his spirit into our lives, over our lives. And so that's when Jesus cried out. Jesus stood up and cried out. Now, what's behind the angst? What, what's behind the, the, the feeling of Jesus needing to urgently share this message What's it all about? Well, today we're going to explore three layers to this gift that he offers. Three layers. And so the first one is, and I'm going to give you all three up front if you're taking notes today. The first one is the purpose. The second is the power. And the third is the presence. The purpose, the power, and the presence of this gift that Jesus offers. And so uh, the first one, the purpose. Uh, look, at, look at verse 37. It says, 
On the last day of the feast, the greatest day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Now, why did Jesus passionately scream out at the feast? Verse 37. If you thirst, come and drink. Jesus looked around and he saw dry and empty people. Now, here's the thing that Jesus knows. Jesus knows the condition of the human heart. He knows the condition of our hearts. And, and so part of the condition of our hearts is that it's, there's dryness there. And so you see in uh, Psalm 63, verse 1, uh, David writes out, he says, Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. All of us, whether we know it or not, live in a desert. The spiritual state of your life, like we are born into this. And so what we've learned from birth is that we need to survive. And the way that many of us have learned to survive is to figure out what is a good water source. What's something that can quench my thirst just for a minute? But we haven't found something that, that lasts. And so what Jesus is saying here is, I know your spiritual condition right now. You are dry, you are empty, you need something more. See, even our best efforts will end up empty. It just will. And so there is a search going on in our hearts right now. So just as somebody is in the desert looking around, searching for water, that's the same state that you and I are in. And we're looking for a satisfaction that's going to last And so Jesus knows that about our condition as well, that we are searching for something that's going to last. So we think that it's going to be, if I work hard enough, if I do more, if I get the good grades, all of those things are going to be the answer. But I want to tell you now that it's not. In an article in Forbes called Why the Super Successful Get Depressed... Uh, The writer Alice Walton says, CEOs may be depressed at more than double the rate of the general public, which is already about 20%. Some people or some popular articles have argued that extreme success has so many strings attached that it can pull a person down completely. Some studies even suggest that rich kids are counterintuitively more depressed and anxious than their middle or low income peers. And we know that the cross-national research that depression is more common in wealthy countries than in less wealthy, less industrialized ones. See, you and I have been brought up into this culture, this idea that if I get more, if I accumulate more, then I'm going to quench the thirst, that I'm going to be able to fill some void in my life. But I think what, what, what we're realizing, what Jesus has told us from the beginning, and even as millennial generation is coming through, is that that's not the answer. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And so Jesus is saying, I know the condition of your heart right now. It's dry. And I also know that you're searching for satisfaction, but you're going to find emptiness at the end of it. Because I think, again, as that earlier article was talking about, the millennial searchers, is that they were finding that millennials just want some meaning in life. 
They want something deeper. But it's not just that generation. It's humanity. It's humanity. See, are we going to be in the desert thinking that there's going to be an answer in something else other than a water source? Because it only lasts for a little while. See, our answers to fill the voids will not work. Uh, Blaise Pascal says, um, he says, you know, you, you and I have this craving. He says, what, what, what else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim but that there was once in man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there the help he cannot find in those that are, though none can help, since this infinite abyss, right, this infinite abyss inside your life and my life can only be filled by an infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God himself. He says, you want to know what with the hole, it's going to fill the hole in your life? You want to know what's going to fill the thirst in your life? You want to know what's going to fill the emptiness? There's nothing other than God himself that can do that. And so when Jesus proclaims, he says, if anyone is thirsty, if anyone is struggling, like come to me, he's saying, I'm God and I can fill that void in your life. I can fill it. So the first is the purpose. Like why did he do that? Because all of us are empty and dry. But the second point is the power, the power of this. How is this power able to come into our lives? Well, it says in verse 38, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, you and I have access to the power. It's not in us. Right, so it's first starting with the dryness and saying, I am, a, I am dry, I'm empty, I need something more, but then Jesus invites us into believing in him. And what it, what, it, what it says is that out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The gospel, the good news is this, that it's believing and receiving, not working and earning. I didn't realize how much my mind and my heart is wrapped up in working and earning. Right, like there, there are moments where I think, okay, like I'm just believing in God and I'm, I'm going through life. And, but how much I base my life off of how much I earn and I work for something. Jesus says that doesn't work in my economy. That doesn't work because I am asking you to receive something that's not from you. It, it's, say, it's inviting and saying, Jesus, you're all I've got. The power of God is not found in following traditions or rituals. It's found in a person. And so Jesus is seeing this huge religious festival going on where people are coming and they're they're doing the same thing they've been doing for years. And Jesus stands up at the feast and he's had enough. And he looks around and he says, what are you doing? Come to me. I'm the source. As we look in the scriptures, many times God looks around at religious feasts and festivals and he says, I despise them. 
mistakes is because you're not getting the point. Right? Like, why did we come this morning? Like, why, why did we get all this stuff set up? Like, why did we come here? God is crying out saying, would you come for me? Jesus always gives us this invitation to come to him. Like, come to me, experience me. Why is this important? Because many religions... This is the difference with Christianity and everything else in the world is that many religions invite you into a program. Well, here's, here's what you need to do. Here's the steps you need to do to fix your life. Christianity invites you into a relationship. Uh, many religions will invite you into a philosophy. Here's, here's what you should think. Here's what you can ponder about the universe. It invites you into a checklist. See, but many times what we do is we try to make Christianity into a checklist, and it's not. The gospel invites you into an intimate relationship with God, the God of the universe. And what happens when someone comes to Jesus? It says that out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Right, like out of the source. So, so literally, it's translated that out of their heart, out of their, their, their belly. So the translation is like out of the belly, like there will be flowing rivers of living water. And, and what that means is the deepest parts of you the parts of you that, that, that nobody knows about, that's in here where you're like, your gut, like deep down in there. God says, I will flow from that place. That, that, that's not a fake place, but the deepest place in you. Right, and so, so when, you're, when you're a Christian, when, when, when Jesus invites you into this relationship, what happens is you stop becoming fake, you start becoming more real. It starts to flow out of your life. The Holy Spirit starts to work inside of you and God starts to flow through you and you're not a fake person. It's it's genuine. Jesus says, I want to reach down into the deepest, darkest places in you and, and make you real. Make you alive. Who's this invitation open to? Is it just some people? Is it just really good people? Is it religious people? No. Verse 37 says, anyone. Verse 38 says, whoever. This is an invitation. If you're hearing this now, if the Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart, then that's for you. It's not for somebody else. It's for you. The power of God can change anyone from empty to filled. You think you've done too much? You think you've gone too far? The grace of God is enough for you. The power of God is enough to change you. You're not out of his grasp. What's different about the waters that Jesus offers? Well, he says it flow uh, flow rivers of living water. Where other sources dry up, this one won't. There is a power in it that can't be found anywhere else. 
I think of places that I've been to that are just, the water is just very powerful. One of those is, um, you know, I was born in Hawaii. And, I, and whenever I go to the North Shore, and, and the, there's a certain time of the season, right, where the waves are just massive. It's, it's right in the winter months there. And I remember, like, driving along, and the, um, the power of the waves, you can feel it. I mean, you could feel like when we would drive up just next to the coast and we would stand just close to the shore and see the, the waves getting so big that they would come up even onto the, the road there. And, and, and you could feel the power. You knew it was alive. And what Jesus is saying here is there is that type of power, like the creator of the universe. He created all of the ocean, everything that we see. He says, do you believe that there's a power in your life that can overwhelm the fear that you have? The darkness that you have? The emptiness that you feel on a daily basis? Do you believe that the creator of the universe, the, the, his power can overwhelm that? See, many times what we do as Christians is we minimize God's power. We minimize the power of the Holy Spirit. We minimize the power that can come into our lives and change the darkness into light. And Jesus is saying, don't doubt the power. Believe that anyone can come. See, we have access to this power every day through Jesus. The last is the presence. You'll see this in verse 39. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive for as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Where does the power of this gift come from? A deep, intimate relationship through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. So what we believe here is that there are three persons to one God, Father, Son, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And what happens many of the times is we just push the Holy Spirit to the side. And I think this happens because the Holy Spirit is, the, the, the power and the work of the Holy Spirit within the Trinity is not to bring attention to himself, but bring attention to Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And so what we see here is the Holy Spirit of God and the presence that we have is really unprecedented. Jesus' statement here about the Holy Spirit is unprecedented. So Jesus is saying here, he's like, okay, now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Right now we're living as Jesus has been glorified. When we're talking about glorifying, this is the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. It's the gospel. Okay, so we are believing that Jesus is alive today. And what has happened, when Jesus went to the right hand of the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is, this is a, an amazing thing. I, I need us to, to get this today because in Exodus 33, when Moses went to God, he says, I want to see you face to face. What did God say? You can't. You can't see me face to face. 
Basically, he would die. So I'll show you just a small portion of me as I pass by. Moses, right? Psalm 42, David says, as the deer pants for streams of water, or uh, so my soul pants for you. Do you see David in Psalm 42 asking God, I just want to be a little bit closer. I want to be nearer to you. I want more of you in my life. I want you to think about this. John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Do you know what John is saying? He's like, we were right next to him. We saw him. And what Jesus says is that it would be better for him to leave and that he send the Holy Spirit than for him to stay. Why is that? Because you and I get his presence every day. Jesus walked from town to town, place to place, and the only people who were able to experience that presence were the people in that town. What Jesus says is there will be greater things that happen when I send the Holy Spirit. And so what I'm doing is he's saying, I I want you to experience my presence Not just when I'm present in that town. I want you to experience it every day. That David, who longed for God's presence to be nearer to him, you and I have it right now. See, ultimately, our gift is the glory that Moses and David yearned for. His deep, intimate presence. So when he says somebody can come and they, they, can, they can live a life and they're, 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 from their heart there's going to be living water that's overflowing, he says it's from that place. Well, how? Because Jesus being glorified. Jesus makes it possible. How can God come that close to us without destroying us because Jesus was destroyed on our behalf? On the cross. So the presence of God, as he came to this earth, like many people would be like, well, if Jesus came, I'd be like, I would bow down and worship him. No, we wouldn't. We put him on a cross. That's what we did when God came close to us. But because God came close to us, his presence came near to us, and he's been glorified, he comes near to rebellious people. That's what, I'm, that's, that's what makes this possible, the gospel. See, uh, D.A. Carson says this, John sees the source of the promised Holy Spirit to be Jesus himself. Once he had been glorified, i.e. once he had died, risen, and ascended to his Father, the gospel makes it possible that God is in your life and in my life. Wasn't because we worked hard enough. Wasn't because we started to prime the pump, right? Like, all right, water's coming into my life. Good things are coming. He said, no. It's when you, when you stop, when you stop working, when you stop trying to earn it, that's when it happens. When you say, I'm dry, I need God, that's when it happens. It flows into our hearts and our lives. And so how do we apply uh, this gift to our hearts today? I'm going to give you four takeaways really quickly.
And there are questions. And the first one is this. Do you believe that you're dry? Do you believe that, that if Jesus shouted out today and he says, okay, anyone who's thirsty can come to me. And he's looking around. He's seeing all the dryness that you would say, yeah, that's me. I'm dry. I need help. I need him. Because moral, self-sufficient people would never see themselves as dry. Here's what we would say. We would be like, well, I got this. I can do this. I've got the power. I've got the strength within myself. I'll just figure it out. Jesus is calling to anyone who feels morally bankrupt, empty inside. Water will only start to flow through people who feel like within themselves they have nothing to offer. Jesus uses empty vessels and fills them with himself. That's why Jesus went to the tax collector, the prostitute, the sinner, and they were the ones who believed that first they had nothing to offer. They had nothing to give. Have you walked in here today feeling empty? Do you feel dry inside? Do you feel it? Jesus is giving an invitation and saying, that's my spirit telling you where you're at and inviting you into a relationship. The gospel will never be sweet to you until you see your dryness. It'll never be sweet. It'll never be good. The second question is, do you hear Jesus' invitation? What empty source of fulfillment do you keep going back to again and again? What's the thing that, thing that we think is going to satisfy our love life? What are the, what's the thing that we think is going to satisfy that growing need for attention? What do we think it's going to satisfy us? Are you in a perpetual cycle of being disappointed? I think that's a sign of the source of where we're going to. Because here's the thing, the only, the only one that will never disappoint us is God. If we keep coming to, to other things in life, we will be disappointed. If we keep coming to God, he will never disappoint us. As hard as things might, might get. But Jesus, do you hear Jesus' voice? Do you hear his invitation to you saying, just come to me? The third point is how is he calling you to respond? Right, like we, we know that Jesus has done it all. But he's, he's calling you not just to sit on that, but to say, okay, God, what are you calling me to do? Where are you calling me to go? What are you, who, who are you calling me to be? Are you sensitive to his voice? When most of the people heard Jesus' voice, they were uh, more adept at arguing than responding. Did you see that? Like, what's the, what's the title of the next string of verses? Division among the people. 
division among the people. And so when Jesus shouts out, says, here's this invitation, come to me. I'm the source of water, living water that will never go dry. What happens? Church people start going crazy and they start dividing. They start arguing. Well, this is what I think, and this is what I think, and this is who I think he is. It's time to start, stop arguing and start listening. Start seeking God. Start saying, okay, God, I, I don't have the answers. Like, I need you to, to give me the answers. I need help. It's being sensitive to his spirit. And so what, 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 is, what is he doing? What, what, what's he asking us to do today? His spirit. Today I was, um, I'll just share this really quickly. I was pushing, uh, we got these big, huge nine foot like things that we put all our stuff in here for the church, right? And so I'm, I'm pushing this thing by myself, which probably wasn't a smart thing, but I was doing it. And I'm pushing it down the hallway, kind of trying to maneuver it around. And, and I feel, I, 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 I sense God, spirit speaking to me like, hey, you're not alone. And it feels like you're pushing this by yourself, but you're not. And I'm going to give you the strength that you need to make it to the end. And like right as we kind of approach this like really hard part out here, like where there's like this carpet stuff. And so I'm like, oh no, this is going to be bad. You know, trying to push this. Um, Nancy came up right at that perfect time and started, she said, you need some help? And she started pulling it. There are going to be times where you get stretched to the point where you feel like you've got no more strength. You don't have anything left in you. And the beautiful part is that God is there, and he's going to speak this to you. He's going to encourage you. He's going to bring you along. He's going to say, I know it's hard. I know it's tough right now. I know you're tired, but I'm with you, and I'm going to send the right people at the right time to help you out. I've seen it time and time again in our lives. I think that's part of the water source. Right? It's, like, it's not just from you. It's from God's people too. God's going to do something and he's going to speak to you and he's going to encourage you through it. But how is he calling you to respond? Is he calling you to keep pushing when it's hard? Maybe, yeah. Keep going. He's got something for you. The last question is, how do you know the Holy Spirit is working in your life? This is the simple answer. When the love of God becomes more real in your life. That's how you know. It's like even right now, as, as, you're, as you're stirring on this, like, oh, wow, this is what Jesus did for me. This, he died for me on the cross. Like, it it's, goes from fact to, like, your heart. It gets impressed in your heart. Right, like, it's, it's Romans 8 when it says that, like, you know God is your father, but then there's a moment where you have this, this time and it says, hold on, he, he is my father. He is. It's something that, that happens inside of you. When what Jesus has done for you 
becomes real. And, and it doesn't matter what kind of criticism you get. You don't have to look for other people's affirmation anymore. Just like, right, we're in this revolving door of like, oh, I just need people's affirmation, and so that's all I'm going to go off of in life. You stop fishing for it. You don't have to stick around only people who like you. You're free. It's when Jesus stops becoming just an idea and he comes into your heart. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Right? We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe all of those things. But how do you know that the Holy Spirit is working when Jesus becomes more lovely? When Jesus becomes all you want? when he overwhelms you with his goodness and he says, I love you. That's when you know the Spirit's working. And so that's, what, that, that's, that's, the, that's the water. See, here, to, here today is the gospel. This is the good news. You think about this. Jesus says in John 7, verse 38, that out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Like out of your heart, out of the deepest parts of you will come living water, life. Now I want you to think about John nineteen thirty four. What happens there? That's when Jesus is on the cross and the soldier, soldier takes the spear and he sticks it in Jesus' heart. What flowed out of Jesus' heart? Water. And blood. What did the priest sacrifice that next day on the eighth day? They sacrificed to God water and blood. Who's the ultimate sacrifice? The one that died for us, the one that gave it all, the one that says, when you believe in what I've done, as my, as my flesh, my, my heart is put on the line for you, overflowing with water, with blood for you, death. What happens for us? We get life. What made him die is what gives us life. That's the gospel. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that's enough? Do you believe that simply Jesus is enough for you? Because that's the gift that will never go dry. Let's pray. Father, please help us to see what Jesus has done for us. He died for us. He loves us. He cares for us. Holy Spirit, help us to know that at the end of all of this, God, you're the prize. May the gospel be good news to our hearts today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.